When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. It is Madam Adams, and I have a nice little group of people to talk to today. I'm going to talk to Sarah Palin, and I'm going to talk to Bill O'Reilly. But before I do that, I have to tell you who I am. It's Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, the New York Post reporter, columnist. I'm in the paper Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And right now, I'm going to talk about Election Day. The problem have, has been lots of people won. The new, they have new rules. Per our current president, they want to be sure that all future electees can at least be able to understand English. This is the new ruling. And as our God bless us nation went toward voting booths, know that the Supreme Court in their supremeness just voted that it is immoral to clone a human being, unless, of course, the person's a major contributor. And to all the winners, in case of a national emergency, it must be absolutely essential that we pull Kamala away from watching Wheel of Fortune. Ah, I'm going on. With all the vote-gathering, the speeches, the debates, the fundraising, we are now down to three classes, the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-yet-paid-for-the-haves. Republicans say there is a recession in 2023. Democrats say, yeah, but only in the first four quarters. America, the greatest country on earth, the greatest country God ever created. Never may we become agitated by the fever of Putin. Our Washington officials have already put aircraft carriers, combat marines, Alan Alda, and the entire cast of MASH on full alert. Being now multiracial, multireligious, multipatriotic, multi-international, our electors must learn to devote time to foreign affairs, like handling the Iraq problem, which is now sliding back to Attila the Hun, and no cutting corners domestically. Even little stuff, our winners must be aware of things like Health care, education, the environment, droughts, floods, hurricanes, the recession, infrastructure, oil, coal, gas, poverty, Hunter Biden, the Middle East, climate change, moonwalks, condos for the homeless, plus a health aid so Casper, the current White House ghost, can locate the men's room. Although we are all busy and might forget things, like, for instance, New York's current mayor, 
and may his tribe increase. On this day, leave us honor our very first electee, George Washington. His salary was $25,000, lots of which <laughs> he blew on booze. But listen, he had the whole Potomac for a chaser. And with today's voting, let us not work against the lifetime positions of Mitch McConnell and Diane Feinstein. Nobody cares if their idea of weightlifting is standing up. Nobody cares if they call Biden kid. These Pauls knew Thomas Jefferson personally. So let us have respect. And pay attention. Not all who seek power are always nice. Julius Caesar? He got knocked off, not by a lousy tally of ballots, but by his close friend. And his whispered last words to Brutus were, Pal, this means you're out of the Christmas party. So no matter what person, side, or belief, one, may we all come together, all for one and one for all. E pluribusunum, let every American be thankful that our president finally got something he really wanted, regularity. When Joe Burden finally announces he will not run, which means walk quickly, for president again, comedy writers the world over will demand a recount. There is already rumor he's prepared his farewell speech. <laughs> A long one. He's onto his third box of crayons. So God bless the United States of America, land of the free, home of the craven. Hey, the election is over. I shouldn't be bitching anymore. There's nobody left for me to blame except Columbus. Also, New York Mayor Eric Adams, just because we haven't yet blamed him enough. So, we patriots must knock, not our president. Aware of inflation, he alone went to the American Orthopedic Society, demanding to know why an artificial limb costs an arm and a leg. And gourmet of the highest rank, one of the rankest known, Joe Burden just wrote an anthology called The Fine Wines of Delaware. And now, this short poem by the immortal bard Henry Wadsworth Schwartz. Quote, I lost my anxiety, angst, and fears if Hunter Biden's wallet lasts four more years. So, God bless the United States of America and Biden's accountants. I am going to tell you again, as I've been telling you before, that you must keep listening to me because I will have Sarah Biden on and Bill O'Reilly discussing this recent election. And before I take a station break, I just want you to be reminded that there was this local resident who had a long talk with his broker 
and he now feels better about the market. He began a calculated, all-encompassing program designed to reach certain investment goals during the next five years. Those goals? Getting even. I am going to take a quickie station break, and then I will be back immediately with Sarah Palin. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am about to introduce Sarah Palin, whom I knew and whom I interviewed when she ran for vice president in 2008 alongside John McCain, and that's when we got Obama. She was governor of Alaska 2006 to 2009, and she is now on God Bless Us, WABC with me. Sarah, I would like to understand, since I'm not very bright, how is it possible you could have lost to a House seat to a lousy Democrat? How, did, how could that happen? Well, Alaska is a deep, deep red state, so it's bizarre to a lot of people that with our new ranked choice voting system that we have, it's not head-to-head Republican against Democrat anymore. It's a free-for-all, and uh, the votes get split within the Republican Party, and that's how the Democrat with about, um, well, less than the majority of the vote got in there. But she only won the two-month term to fill out the term of our deceased representative, Don Young. Um, I'm still in it. We still haven't um, finished all the vote counting, and that won't happen until Thanksgiving because this new ranked choice voting is a process of elimination. And Cindy, believe it or not, the candidate is gunning for second and third place votes, not just first place votes. It's complicated, but here's the deal. It goes against every competitive bone in my body. I want to win. I'm in it to win it, and I gun for the first place votes, and that's what I think hockey and all these other sports that I'm obsessed with, that's what it it, it has taught me is how healthy that kind of competition is. This namby-pamby, everybody gets a trophy, rank goes first, second, third, fourth. It, It just sucks. It's a terrible voting system. Okay, so you are going to try again. Well, I'm still in it. They haven't counted everything. The news doesn't even know how to cover it because it's too complicated, which is the purpose <laughs> of ranked choice voting. It's pushed by liberals. And it's so complicated to explain that the news just kind of gives up. And back in June, we had our first round of voting, and we had 50 candidates in the race for Congress. And I won that handedly over all 50 candidates. But it wasn't one man, one vote, um, winner take all. The first That was just the first step in a process of elimination. So now we're down to everybody's been eliminated except the top four candidates. So they're counting those votes and factoring in who got the most second place votes, who got the most third place votes. And some algorithm in the Dominion computer system distributes the votes for you. Like the rest of the United States at the moment. You were so, so famous like 20 minutes ago when the world stopped for a few minutes. What happened? Did the phone stop ringing? Because I know what that's like. How does it happen when you get out of the top layer for a minute? That is such a good question. Nobody ever considered that or asked me about that. Yeah, you 
fair weather friends all over the place, right, Cindy? Like, yeah, yeah when you're hot, you're hot. And yep. uh, Roger Ailes from Fox used to tell me that, and he'd say, you know, with all due respect, you're not hot right now, meaning you're not on the radar. But a few months from now, oh, oh, there you're hot again. It's it's the weirdest thing. But when you're grounded and when you don't live by man's praise, you're not going to die by man's criticism or by being ignored. I'm cool with all that. I know what I get myself into, and God created a lot of thick skin around me so I can handle it. Did you still have friends? I had my true friends, and that's a pretty tight circle. But I had my parents, my siblings, and my kids. And I've always said, as long as my kids are healthy and happy, well, everything else on the periphery, all those fair-weather friends who bail on you until you become hot, a hot commodity again anyway, until they come around again, I've got that foundation of love and support from those who matter most. So it was, it was all good. But, yeah, definitely the phone stops ringing for a while, and then, then it rings off the hook again. You know how it goes, Cindy, and you had these decades of life experience. Here's your deal, Cindy. You've had decades of life experience that are so valuable, and they, like you're doing today, you're putting them to good use, those experiences, to help others and to prepare others for what happens in this real world. So I'm asking you, now that you're back in the news every 20 minutes, is your phone ringing again? My phone is ringing again. It's never really stopped ringing, but I'm much more discerning now when it comes to who's on the other end of the call. Yeah. I recognize fair weather friends versus truly those who recognize that you have something to offer. And it's, it's a sincere, true friendship between us and a good connection. I'm discerning now and, and I don't, I don't put up with the fair weather friends in the bakery. Okay. I've been on the a Norwegian ship that took me to Alaska once, and it was manned by Indonesians, and I lived in Indonesia, so I stayed in cargo, and I ate the Indonesian food with all of them. It was great. That's a great, great, great trip to go on a ship to Alaska. Okay, well, next time you need to get on the road, not just stay on the water on a ship, but it's the road <laughs> system that drives you up north where you see the northern lights and all the wild animals and the beautiful mountains, the highest peak on the North American continent, as a matter of fact. So next time you do it, drive. We basically only have one highway. You drive right through my house. So I'll, I'll come knock on my door and I'll bake you some blueberry pie and cook you some halibut. Oh, great. I'll do that. I'll do that even if I don't go on the highway. Just send me the food. What do you do in the months when it's always dark? What does anyone do up in Alaska? Well, um, you know, I never really noticed that it's light all the time in the summer, and that's awesome. And we just rock and roll, and we go around the clock working outdoors in the summer. Winter, those dark months, my parents always taught me you need to be outside recreating you need to be enjoying what you got otherwise you're going to be miserable in the dark and the cold all those months um it's you know it's not ideal conditions it's not an easy living but it's a good living and um those dark months we make up for it in the summertime would you always live there is there any reason you would want to live in you should pardon the expression florida or something <laughs> i'm um figuring out how to have the best of both worlds um and uh 
a couple of my daughters live in Texas, one in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, my son is out of the Army, and he lives in Alaska. And my youngest, he'll always be with me. My youngest has Down syndrome, so he'll always be with me in Alaska. I can other people figure out how to keep on traveling to see their loved ones and for job opportunities and still have their home base in their hometown, which is what I'm doing. Can can you explain to me what is happening with glaciers? Are we are we suffering with what is going to happen if they're melting? Are they melting? How do you handle what's happening there? Um Glaciers have receded, and they've grown, and they melt corners, and they flow for eons and eons and eons since God created glaciers. So uh, those who are in a panic about uh, one or uh, a glacier or two that's, that's probably well-known and is receding, they need to not just use that as some fundraising tool. They need to study the science and the geography and the geology and understand that glaciers have been moving around for decades. How do, how do people think that, like up in Alaska, we have our valleys and we have um, these carved areas through mountains? Those were glaciers years ago and they receded. So, um, And here's another thing. Anybody who would blame, say, glaciers receding in some unknown godforsaken corner of the arctic uh blaming that on say us who drive trucks well yeah um they have been receding and growing cindy since and, and man has not even stepped foot in the area that they're talking about right now it's, it's that remote and um yeah a lot of that global warming stuff is uh, fundraising tools is what they're using then you're telling me that it's not climate problems, that you're telling me this has always happened back in 1492 and back in the Stone Age? Well, A, it's not a problem anyway, but B, it, it has. Since the beginning of time, we've had glaciers recede and grow and carve through mountain ranges, our valleys. And um, I fossil hunt with my dad which maybe that's a uniquely Alaskan chick thing to do, but we go up in mountains in Alaska and we look for fossils. We find them, Cindy. We find sea life way up high in the mountains of Alaska in fossils. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. I mean, it's like you can see God's hand in it. And uh, that tells me, and my dad's a scientist, so he tells me that this earth has been moving and shaking and um, revolving and changing since the beginning of time. It's not just some newfangled um, phenomenon that, that the weather changes, that the climate changes. It's happened since the beginning, and it's going to keep happening no matter what man's little footprint does to it. You know, that's very heartening to hear that. I always thought that this was a crisis, and we were all going to drown in 20 minutes. I didn't realize what you're saying. Why don't you say, are you saying this everywhere? Is this the first time I am hearing this because I'm, I'm stupid? Uh, you're asking these questions because you're smart. You are common sense um, Joe Sixpack. That's what you are, and that's, that's good. No, the average person knows that, but who has the microphone? Who buys ink by the barrel full? It's the liberal radicals who use, say, global warming as a fundraiser for their for 
all of it. Oh, somebody's um, interrupting me, Cindy, as I'm speaking. Hey, I'm I'm voicing my opinion. Yeah, I don't need. Okay, you can you can move. It's not a public space. It's part of the. Okay, I'll lower my voice. Oh, tell him to go screw himself. Pardon the expression. I just mumbled it as he walked off. Too bad about him. I don't know who he is. He's probably a Democrat. Go, go. Keep talking to me. I love talking to you. What? But um, anyway, uh, you know, the the earth recovers and the earth um, is always going to move and shake. It's always going to uh, revolve and evolve and uh, change according to its creator, what the intention is. Okay. Now, about that famous dumb line about you can see Russia from your window. Did you say it? What is that story? No, Tina Fey said it, and she got famous, very, very much more famous for saying it. And she, um, I always said, Tina, you need to at least pay for my kids' braces after you scoring on the comment that you made there. But, no, you can see Alaska from Russia. You can, (laughs) Tina Fey said that line, but you you can. You can swim between the two. 1985, a strong woman, uh, Lynn Cox, she swam between the two to prove it. What is happening in your state as opposed to what is happening in our places about drugs? Is it as prevalent in your state? It is per capita. It is and it's bad. And uh, drugs are coming over the border because we have an open border. It's no more reason to close the border. We're all a border state at this point. That's why we need to be aware of what's going on and fix it. What do you think about Donald Trump in 2024? Do you think he will win? Do you think he will run? Do you think anything about it? I do think a lot about it. I think he should run. I think he could run. And I think he will run. And I will be there supporting him. He's the only one who had the guts early on to take on lame stream media and crooked Hillary and the corruption in D.C. Nobody owns him. He... I was like the first conservative to come out and endorse him, and I lost a lot of conservative friends over it, but I was proven to be right because he, the policies that he enacted for our country were the right policies. It's a shame Biden has undone so many of them. I will support President Trump coming back. Listen, I support what you are saying. I love you. I know you have to make a plane, and I'm aggravated because I'd like to talk to you for the next 40 minutes. You're going on a plane now as we speak? I am. I'm headed to hockey events because I love hockey. Oh, please, please leave me alone with hockey. What is the best time of year to visit Alaska? I'm going to keep talking to you until the propellers get me. What is the best time of the year to visit Alaska? June and July, when it's light all the time and it's relatively warm, our average warm temperature is 68 degrees, so that's pleasant. What do you mean you don't want to talk about hockey? Are you kidding me? What, what more, what's more important than hockey? Well, how about almost any other thing? There are lots of other things. There's the fact that I'm, my hair is getting thinner. There's the fact that I'm getting older. There's the fact that I might be getting poorer. Those things are a little more interesting to me than hockey. What the hell do you care about hockey for? Okay, well, Cindy, welcome to my world. All those uh, <laughs> symptoms or all those uh, whatever you're talking about, that that's me too. Why do I love hockey? I'll tell you why I love hockey. You yeah, ready? tell me. Why do I care? Yeah, tell me. Because grown men 
play hockey. That's what I like. They're tough. They they love healthy competition. They're not afraid to lace up the skates and take off the gloves and duke it out and winner take all. I love it. You could go with a boxer and get the same stuff. You could go okay, with a baseball player and get the same thing. What is it with hockey? Who the hell cares about a hockey player? Why? It must Okay, it must be their hair then. You haven't heard of hockey hair? You haven't heard of that mullet? I don't know, maybe that's the redneck Alaska in me, but I find it very attractive. <laughs> could it be that, that you might could it be could it be Miss Palin? that you might be dating a professional athlete at the moment? Well, um, I, by the grace of God, I um, am very good friends with a very good athlete who understands that healthy competition and is a grown man, and I like that. Uh, I think maybe you might have a little more interest in hockey than most people. Okay, is there anything you want to tell us before you run to make the plane? You can say anything you like. I love you. Say anything you want. Okay. Hey, I love you too, and I love all your experience in life and how you help other people by putting that experience to good use. And I've been reading you for years and years, and I've always been scared to death to talk to you because, oh, my gosh, you are powerful with that pen, Cindy. So, whew, crossing my fingers. You're more powerful than I. Nobody asked me to be vice president. They missed me. They, <laughs> <laughs> they skipped over you. Well, thank go, you then. For go make your airplane and we'll talk afterwards, okay? I love you and thank, thank you, you for coming thank on, you. Sarah. You love you, love you, love you. Thank you, bye. Bye. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly, you don't need to hear any more than Bill O'Reilly, who's written 12 bestsellers one after another, after another, after another. So now I have to ask you a very important question. Do you remember the first time you ever voted? Yes, uh, I believe I was in Boston uh, at grad school at Boston University, and I voted in a Massachusetts election up there, and I was happy to do so. that was the uh, end of the Vietnam era, and everybody was jacked up about politics. They still are. Yeah, they still are, for sure. So how late did you stay up with the overnight reviews Tuesday night? Uh, I was up maybe midnight. Um, I knew that Arizona and Nevada were not going to be able to count their votes because those states are totally out of control. So a huge state like New York can count its votes, no problem. But Nevada can't. They just don't have a competent infrastructure there. And Arizona is worse. So I knew uh, that we weren't going to get a big resolution until later on in the week. And still, uh, when we're talking to you over the weekend, we're probably still not going to have a clear resolution. Okay. I mean, you've sort of explained it, but since I'm limited mentally, can you tell me why those states cannot get their acts together or get their behinds together? Why can't they do it? They have incompetent people running the election 
precincts. So in uh, the West, it's not like meritocracy. It's, hey, my cousin Lenny needs a job. You throw him into the Maricopa County Election Commission, and Lenny can't find a men's room. It's just sheer incompetence. You know, when I went to vote, it was 4.30 in the afternoon. There was nobody there. There were maybe three people who were voting. And I made a mistake because I'm so bright. Instead of just coloring in the little bubble up at the top, I scratched out the whole name. And they said, this will not work because you made it wrong. And we put it in the machine, and the machine took it, and it worked. I just don't understand this entire concept of voting the way it's it's being handled. Well, the problem with American voting now is it's undisciplined. So I don't mind the mail-in ballots or uh, drop-offs, but it, it, you've got to have a certain time and regulations that are met every single time, and it's got to be a very strict teacher saying, look, you didn't put the date on the ballot, we're not counting the ballot. We'll see you next year. That's what has to happen. Now, Florida, which was insane in the year 2000 with Gore versus Bush, they are so efficient now because they put the resources in, they hire decent people, they can get their vote counted. There's not a lot of hanging chads and controversy. It can be done. But like everything else in life, it has to be done in a disciplined manner. And in many states, it is not done that way. Well, it's also that in Florida, the people there have plenty of time. They have nothing else to do. They're all wearing checked pants to go on the golf course. What else they got to do? That's, that's it. Florida, I don't understand altogether. You're smarter than most people, smarter than I anyway. What does it mean for us the other night's election? What does it mean for us, for America, for the country? Tell me. So I have a column on BillOReilly.com today called The United States of Emotion. Oh, so what good. this vote and the last vote that put Biden into the White House, both votes were driven by people not voting their own self-interest or good governance or any of that. They voted on emotion. Best example I can give you. Zeldin would have won the governorship of New York had not 90% of African-Americans in New York City voted for Hochul. 90. Yeah. Now, if you go to these neighborhoods, they are violent, chaotic. The people who live there are afraid to go to the grocery store or to church. They are run by drug gangs, heavily armed. Yet, most of the people who are being terrorized voted for a person who will not help them. Hochul, she's not going to help. They did so out of emotion. We've always voted Democrat. That's our tradition. And we're not going to stop. Well, there are consequences to your vote. And the consequences are going to be more dead African-Americans on the streets of New York. Because Hochul 
will not solve the violent crime problem or even try. What is your read in every other aspect on Hochul? I don't understand why she won't try. I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? Yes, I can, which is why you're having me on. So Kathy Hochul is a machine politician, all right? Yeah. Not like Trump, who's a populist. She's a machine politician. She does what the machine wants her to do. In New York, California, Illinois, just to name three, the Democratic machine is run by far-left progressives. That's who donates the money. That's who calls the shots. They don't want strict law enforcement of any kind because the progressive left believes that the white law enforcement power structure wants to put young black males in prison. Whether they're guilty or not, that's what they want to do. So the progressives want to break that system down and have in New York State. And Hochul does what the machine tells her to do. You have said this on the air before? Oh, yeah. And I've said it on BillOReilly.com, and I've written columns about it. We are now a nation of tribes. All right, the progressive left tribe runs Biden, Hochul, and many other politicians in this, in this uh, country. We don't have politicians who are elected to office who are independent thinkers. They do what they are told to do. Biden does what he is told to do. He has repudiated every core belief he ever held because he wanted to be president, and that was the pathway, progressive left. Well, I know that the only thing he ever wanted in life was to be president. He's never, ever done anything. Nobody can ever point to one thing that he has accomplished in all his years. I know that. I understand that. What do you, since you're so smart, and, and, and I want to pierce everything that I can bring out of your brain, what what do you think of Zeldin? Zeldin was the right man at the right time. So relatively inexperienced congressperson from Long Island was genuinely outraged. And it wasn't phony. He was genuinely angry at the state of criminal justice in New York and the high taxation on the working people. So he brought that passion to the campaign. Not the most charismatic guy, but he brought the heat. And he would have won, which is astounding because New York is two-to-one registration, Democrat over Republican. He would have won had he gotten 30% of the black vote in New York City. He got 10. He lost. 
You know, I can't possibly argue with you, but I would like to say that I don't think that Zeldin had any brilliant ideas of his own at all. He took the path that he thought would win. He took the easiest way. He is not charismatic. He is not necessarily brilliant or anything. He's just a guy who wanted to be in politics. There is no way he has been outstanding. That's another problem. Is that something that you do not agree with? I don't agree with it totally. I think Zeldin would have done what he said he would do, and that is would have issued an executive order saying that there was a violent crime emergency in the state of New York and would have suspended the insane no-bail law. He would have fired a number of the district attorneys who will not enforce the law, like Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. would have done what he said he would do, which was enough for me. I didn't need Benjamin Franklin in there this time around. I needed someone to stop the bleeding, pun intended. But you know, he didn't come to that in the beginning. He got to that late in the history of running. He picked something that he knew was was what we wanted. He didn't start with that. Didn't that note you notice that? Uh, look, Zeldin is a doctrinaire conservative individual, and conservatives believe in law and order. They don't believe in social justice. So I, I don't have any problem with Zeldin. I think Zeldin did a good job. I'm sorry he lost the result of his loss is going to be thousands more dead New Yorkers, and I mean that literally. Yeah, thousands more will die. So I don't have a problem with Zelda. Okay, you've done 12 killings that are number one. Now the, the 12th one is Killing the Legends, which was Marilyn Monroe and John Lennon and Elvis Presley and Muhammad Ali. Can you tell me about the killing or future of the United States of America. I don't understand where we're going. Yeah, we're in a bad cycle now. There's no doubt we're in a bad cycle. If historical precedence follows, we'll get out of it. But it's impossible to say when. And there are a couple of other factors that have not been in play in the past. So history may not repeat itself because we've, we have been in bad situations. The Great Depression was the worst. The Civil War. We've been in bad places. But the difference today is that we don't have an honest media anymore. That Americans have a very hard time getting truthful information. Because the media is controlled by giant corporations who could not care less about finding out what's true and what's false. All they want to do is make money and impose their own ideology, i.e. Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the idiot who runs Walt Disney, on the American people. 
So that's different than it was in the past. The media has always been suspect. Now it's flat out corrupt. Thank God for Casamitidis at WABC, who is not a corrupt man. But he's powerful enough and wealthy enough to run his own corporation. But most others are not. They have to work for the corrupt media. What is your opinion of Donald running again, Bill? Well, he's lost a lot of power. And there's no question he has. And now he's got a big rival, the biggest winner of the midterm election. Yeah. Was Governor DeSantis in Florida, by far, who had one of the best political lines I've ever heard. Woke comes to Florida to die. Yeah. It was a brilliant line. He, in that vote, put himself up to a level where he could be elected president of the United States, Ron DeSantis. Trump now has to compete with that. I know. I know. And so it, it's going to be a fast two years to 24. We don't know how that's going to shake out. Trump's still strong. He got the MAGA people, but he's not as strong as he used to be. What does this mean for the Republican Party, which was red but is now a dribble? What does that augur for it? There's no leadership in the Republican Party at all. DeSantis looks like he wants to take it over. Mitch McConnell in the Senate, he's uh, old, doddering, uh, uh, and uh, uh, he's not leading anybody anywhere. Donald Trump's not a standard Republican. He's a populist. He does lead the party to a certain extent on um, how to govern because he governed very well. But it's impossible to say how this DeSantis-Trump rivalry is going to play out. And that is the entire future of the Republican Party. Oh, there's going to be bloodshed, honey, with the two of them. It's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. Can the U.S. I'm talking, in case anybody just tuned in, I'm talking to Bill O'Reilly, who is a genius and who's brilliant and who's had a bestseller every 20 minutes and whom I love. Now tell me. Tell me, can the U.S. be saved? A stupid question, like I'm an idiot. But can America be saved the way it's going now? It's not going to be the same. So the baby boomers like me and the greatest generation, which is, you know, almost done, they're not going to have what they used to have. Judeo-Christian tradition thrown out the window. Public education, terrible might come back a little, but the kids are not going to be as educated as we were. So it's not going to be the same country. What the strong points are in America are that most people want to work hard and they want to do well by, their, by themselves and by their family, for themselves and for their families. That work ethic, and a lot of that is immigrants, is solid and will remain. And that is a huge, huge strength for the USA. We work much harder 
than most people around the world. And we are centered on improving our status, our situation. America still affords that. But this far-left progressive movement has got to be destroyed. And I hope it will be. Now, DeSantis destroyed it in Florida. Yeah. There is a template there. He destroyed it. And that is why all Americans should take a hard look at him. Because unlike Trump, who was very, very good at running the country, Trump strengthened the progressive left because of his personality and his conflicts. He made them stronger. DeSantis hurt them. And that's a big difference. So continuing on, before you cut me off, and I will be miserable when you hang up, can you tell me, will New York ever have a Republican governor? No. Oh, it's God. over for the Republicans in New York State and New York City. Where I live in Nassau and Suffolk counties on Long Island, there's been a resurgence of traditional thinking and voting. And I'm so happy because I live in these neighborhoods, these communities. But New York State is now like California. It's never going to vote red again because the machine is too powerful. And there are so many new people from foreign countries here and that most of them vote Democrat because Democrats are the party of entitlement, whereas Republicans are self-reliant. So, no, in our lifetime, we're not going to see New York turn red well you know it's like killing the legends you're killing all the hopes for new york now i have two more questions before i let you go because i know you have to go somewhere i know that joe biden pardon the expression he won't run (laughs) for a second or walk for a second term will he no he's emboldened if you watch his body language this week on the press conference he he actually thinks he he won on uh, Tuesday, which he didn't, but he doesn't know what he's doing anyway. But he's not going to run. He can't run. Too old. Party doesn't want him. But here's the kicker. Things are going to get worse in this country and in New York State between now and Election Day 24. So if you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse because none of these people – Biden, Hochul, et al. have any problem-solving ability, nor do they want to solve the problems. They want to amass the power, sit there, and do nothing. And that's what they will do. So if you think the population is angry now, in two years, they're going to be more furious. I mean, I want to talk to you for the rest of my life, So, but I know you have to go. Let me ask you, will, we be, will America be at war somewhere within the next 10 years, the way we're going, with a, an idiot like Biden who can't find his way to the men's room? Is that, are we going to be at war? Look, you can't predict that. I mean, everybody on the planet 
uh, with the exception of Putin, knows that a world war is unwinnable. Now, Putin looks to me like he's on his last legs. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see him around much longer, which will be one of the greatest things ever for the planet. The communists in China are awful, but they know that the billion and a half Chinese people are barely getting by now. A war would put so much deprivation on the Chinese individual that the Communist Party might not survive it. They know that. So I'm, I'm not, I, I could never predict there would be a war. Okay, Bill, what's the next Killing book. Killing what? Killing the witches, the horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, where did you go to get all of that information? They're gone. They're dead. How do you get, how do you interview a witch? Besides Where do you see this book? It'll be out (laughs) in October 23. Killing the Legends still on the bestseller list, as you know, and yeah. Part of that is because of you and the nice publicity you gave the book. Killing the Legends makes a great Christmas gift. And if you want Killing the Mob, Killing the Killers, and Killing the Legends, you go to BillOReilly.com. We'll give you $35 off that package, which is a tremendous Christmas gift deal. But Killing the Witches, I'm writing it now. It is a pain in my butt to write this book. But we have uncovered unbelievable stuff that permeates to this day about what happened in New England when the pilgrims came over and the witches were hung. It is an incredible book. So that'll be the, probably the last killing book. Okay, and that's the problem with you, Bill O'Reilly. You never have anything to say. <laughs> Goodbye. I appreciate it, Cindy. (laughs) Goodbye, honey. Thank you for having me on your fine show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, lovey. Bye. Bye. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Tom Hanks once told his son, Colin, my advice is to hit your marks, be on time, show up prepared, and realize people are watching you even when you least expect it, because the whole world will always be making comparisons to me, your father. Then there was Sissy Spacek's advice to daughter Skylar. It was very short. It was just, save your money, honey. Jean-Claude Van Damme, quote, If you have a decent body, show it. My best sides, my backside. I am proud of my behind. You contract the butt hard for 15 seconds, then you release it. If you do that constantly, it gives you buns of steel. Can you imagine doing that all day? You can't even sit down. And during a long-ago argument, Gwyneth Paltrow called Brad Pitt, quote, a dumb redneck hillbilly. And he once called her in return a stuck-up 
snob. Que pasa afterwards? Who knows? I only know this was actually reported in the Rolling Stone magazine, and I saw it. Kate Blanchett, quote, Motherhood does not stop your working. It is a sexist notion that a woman's career ends once her body changes and she gives birth. I was pregnant, says Kate, but I would not stop work, although I kept waking up 2 a.m. Pregnancy is the ultimate expression of hope in this troubled world. George C. Scott, his son Campbell, said, and I quote exactly, My dad had a terrible temper, a split personality. He became tortured and raging angry when he drank. My parents divorced. They reconciled, and then they remarried for six years until alcohol overcame him and his temper became uncontrollable. My father never hit me, but I sure never would risk disobeying him. Backaways on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy and Angel were sleeping together. It brought hysteria when condoms were not seen on the night table. In response, said Sarah Michelle Geller, Oh, please, it's a 16-year-old girl with a 140-year-old vampire who'd shoot blanks. Many a movie ago, I, co I collected all of these things to tell you, many a movie ago, Cuba Gooding lived in a car, one car, with his mother, brother, and sister. Matthew Modine loves to paint, so one day he made a portrait of Al Pacino. Al Pacino hated it. Laura Dern's great-grandpa was governor of Utah. David Duchovny, he was hooked on watching home shopping channels. Johnny Depp found his Oscar experience traumatic and he actually hijacked Harrison Ford's chauffeur to help him escape the Oscars. Dolly Parton told the Daily Mail she often gets up 3 a.m. because God gets up early, too. And this way, she said, she gets a clearer channel to that divine link to creativity. Listen, they're like all the rest of us. They have worries, and they tell it. Adam Sandler, age 56. He says he has seen a shrink, and the plan is for him to take a beat for one minute before he opens his mouth to say something stupid. Which brings me to Mariah Carey, who is glistening with her Christmas special right now. She also glistened at one World Music Award, whose producer suggested Mariah glide down some stairs to receive her award. The answer was, please, Miss Mariah doesn't do 
stairs. And sweating and schwitzing at Equinox to get set for the coming Thanksgiving, Hank Azaria heaves their daily. So does Drake. Also Chris Cuomo under a baseball hat. Anchor David Muir lunches there, then sweats at the place every night. Also, the New York Times' Frank Brunet, Tony Danza, Alan Alda, who does bikes and treadmills, Bob Woodruff, Elizabeth Vargas, who is monitoring her son who was there, and there is Shark Tank's Mark Cuban playing basketball. And, when in town, working out with his bodyguards, heaving and sweating, was Schwarzenegger. Also, David Hyde Pierce. So be it known that specialists say running, pushing, pulling, exercising uses every muscle in the body. However, they say, there are no muscles in the brain. And there are probably no muscles left in mine. So I am about to say good evening, good night, goodbye. I love you all. I hope you have loved this broadcast with Sarah Palin and Bill O'Reilly and me. And I will speak to you again next Sunday at one o'clock. Thank you for listening.